This is Tim's first time speaking at, at Horizon. It's not your first time speaking ever, but um, no, no, not at all. But um, let's just um, let's just stretch our hands out and pray for him. God, we just thank you uh, for, for Tim and Hazel, Lord, for this family and, and all they bring to your kingdom, God. And we just um, lift up Tim this morning. We ask that your words are the words that he shares with us. Lord, I pray that you speak through him um, powerfully, boldly, Lord, and that we can be um, a people ready to hear from you this morning and, and ready to receive what it is you want to share through Tim. Uh, and we just bless him now, Lord, and just, um, and yeah, Lord, I pray that you just, um, just speak through him today. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. You can hear me. I'm going to read you um, Joshua chapter 3 to start, and then we'll have some slides after that, um, William, to help as we go through this morning. This is what Joshua chapter 3 says. It's the children of Israel getting ready. They're going to cross the River Jordan at this point and go into the land that God promised them such a long time ago. But this is it. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Tritum and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go because you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it and they went ahead. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So Joshua said to the Israelites, Hey, come here. Listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know the living God is among you. He will certainly drive out before you Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. I want you to choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot into the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. When the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Then it said, now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. But as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Piled up in a heap, a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Sarathan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is to say his Dead Sea, was completely cut off, a people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord 
stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all the Israelites passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Can you put the first slide up, William? Bless you. There we are. God can do anything. In that story, we had a picture of things that God can do. Um, after, we're going to come back to this in a minute. We're going to talk, look at some of the promises that preceded this point in the children of Israel's history. But when they came to the point of actually crossing the Jordan, having been in the wilderness for a long time, God did a miracle among them. He said, you will know that I'm God because of what I'm going to do. Now, at this time, it said that Jordan River was in flood. Um, Jordan River could run, and it could run fairly easily. It's a little bit like the River Wandle at times. You go there, and most of the time, it's just flowing along nicely. Um, Hayes and I went to Carshorton High Street on Saturday, and the spring from the top was overflowing, and the water was coming all the way down. But we've seen the Wandle, and some of you will have seen the Wandle when it has been really flowing. But this was a bit wider. There was a sort of flood plain. There was a plain uh, cross into Canaan, that promised land. And the Jordan was flowing really fast at this time. It was quite wide. And God said, you're going to go across there? No problem. And so the priests took the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark in those days signified the presence of God. The presence of God among them his people. And so, the priests who carried the ark did what God told them to do through Joshua. They went and they stood, a bit panicky maybe, get to the edge of the water, and you think, will it, won't it? In the middle, and the water stopped. Way up there somewhere, I'm not going to go into all of this because there's another sermon in itself, but a place called Adam. And the other end, it went to the Dead Sea, because everything that comes from Adam, eventually, is dead. Think about that. Another sermon in itself. But they crossed over on dry land. No matter the fact that the river had been running quite fast, it was, um, as I say, flood season and quite wise, it would have been, I would have thought, a bit muddy, a bit murky, a bit damp, and yet all the Israelites crossed over on dry ground. God can do anything. We were thinking about that in songs and what Wes was saying earlier God is king of kings there is no one else like him he is almighty he is all powerful but when I say God can do anything I do want to qualify that because I don't want you to get away thinking that's great God will do whatever I ask God doesn't work in that way he expects us to listen to him find out what it is that we should be doing and God will answer our prayers in his way his time. But God can do anything. That speaks to us about having faith. The past few weeks we've been thinking about growing as Christians, about different rates of growing. And the purpose of growing. One, to be more like Christ. But there's another purpose too, and it's actually on the um, banner, on the banners here about why Horizon exists. To equip people to serve God, to be relational, yes, but so they might be able to share Jesus with other people so that others come to know Jesus. 
And one reason that we're growing as Christians is to help us to reach out to the others. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to draw some parallels from the story of the children of, of Israel, not just the chapter that I, I read to you just then. But I, I want us to go back. And the first thing I want to think about is the promises, hard promises of God. You may remember, some of you, if you were here, you may have heard it on the podcast. A few months back, Bob spoke about Abraham being called by God to go on a journey. And this is what God said. Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. And then he gave him some promises. Fantastic promises. Listen to these. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So he's saying, I'm going to bless you, but you're also going to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. What a fantastic promise that is. And that promise was the one that God gave when he chose Abraham to be the farmer of the children of Israel. Um, the Israelites that would lead eventually to Jesus coming and to our being able to become Christians as well. And the promise passed on to um, Isaac, who was Abraham's son. It passed on to Jacob, who was Isaac's son. And at one time or another, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had actually been and were in the promised land. Now, they came out for various reasons. Um, while Jacob was there, there was a big famine, and God took all the Israelites. He said to Jacob, go with all your descendants into Egypt. Uh, that's when the Israelites ended up in Egypt, because they were there for about 430 years. And, but even so, it was a hard time, it was a tough time. Eventually, the um, pharaohs didn't really know what was going on. They didn't know the story of Joseph and how he'd been sort of prime minister of the land and what he'd done. They didn't recognize him at all. They saw him as a in the part of Egypt they were in. And so they turned him into slaves and they made him work hard. But God never forgot his promise. And God called Moses. In Exodus 3, 7 to 10, the Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land into a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so Moses, having had a conversation with God, I'm not going to go through it all, it's there in Exodus, as you want to find it, uh, went to Pharaoh, took Aaron with him as a spokesperson, and there were a number of plagues, all sorts of things happened. Eventually, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they went through the Red Sea into the wilderness. Another miracle. They got dark, and there was a pillar of light before them, a pillar of cloud behind them, the Egyptians got confused, the Israelites got across, the Egyptian army was drowned. God did that. You know, they spent a long time in the wilderness. 
say the Ten Commandments while they were in the wilderness trying to get to know God better. Listening to God, it didn't always work out as God had intended or as the people really wanted him to for themselves, but they were there. And there was one occasion when they were moaning, the Israelites at Moses. They hadn't had any water. It happened before that. And last time, God said to Moses, hit that rock. Moses was probably getting fed up, you know, all these complaints, all this grumbling. And God said to Moses, this time he said, speak to the rock. And water will come from it. But Moses did his own thing instead. Picked up his rod. And instead of talking to the rock, he struck it twice. He didn't do what God said. He did what he, you know, perhaps in his frustration, his anger. We do. That happens. That's our human nature. But God was gracious and still the water came. However, God told Moses that because of this, because he hadn't done what God wanted, that he was in a position of leadership, there's no responsibility there, he wouldn't actually take the children of Israel into the promised land himself, that he himself would die in the wilderness. But before he died, God told Moses that he had chosen Joshua. And look at Deuteronomy 31, 7 to 8. Moses summons Joshua, said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. You must go with his people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. You must divide it among them as their inheritance. Another promise now from God. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. Never leave you, nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Yeah. We move on to Joshua chapter 1. At the beginning now, Moses has died. Joshua is ready to lead the children of Israel. And after his death, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nan, None. Moses is angry. Moses is dead. Now you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, the promised land. Because at this point, having come out of Egypt and in the wilderness, they weren't yet back there. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. In fact, three times in those first nine <coughs> verses of Joshua, God said, be strong, be courageous, to be afraid, he also says, don't be discouraged. It's not an easy life, Joshua. There's going to be battles to be fought, obstacles to overcome. But remember this. I am with you, and God will do all that he has promised to do. What he promised to Abraham, through Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, to Moses to Joshua. I will do all that. Because God is a God. Once he makes a promise, he doesn't go back on it. He keeps it. And at the right time, he fulfilled that promise. And what about us as a church, Horizon Church? We don't reach here where we are by accident. 
not because it happened to be this building three that we're here today. God placed us here. I wasn't here at the beginning when the church first came here, but I know Dave and Judith and others will tell you that that is what God wanted them to do. And we meet here each week. We meet in life groups so we can worship God, love each other, care for one another. So that we all feel good, so we can have a great time and then we can go out and get on with our lives and do all this thing. No! If that's what you think you're here for, just to meet up with people, to have a good time, to spend an hour or two in the presence of God and then just to go out and get on with your life how you like. Forget it. You've had your reward, if that's what you want to do. That is your reward, and that's the reward you will get. You know, whatever life throws at you. But no, we're not here for that. Something's radically wrong if we are. Yes, we are here to meet with God. Don't get me wrong. We're here to worship, to pray, to listen to God. We're here to love and care for each other, to grow in Christ. But we're also here to bless the people of St. Helia. And I believe those promises was of preparing. I really felt my heart. Those promises that God gave to Abraham and to the Israelites and those people. I will bless those people, others, through you. It's so relevant and still so true today. It's not just true of Horizon, I know. But I'm going to talk about it in the context of Horizon. But wherever God's people meet, God wants to reach out and bless others through him, so that they all come to know him as themselves. Well, I was sort of preparing, and I emailed words, and I said, are there any specific words, any promises that God has given to Horizon that I could sort of quote here, because having not been here at the beginning, I wouldn't know, and he sent back to me a picture that Astrid had a few years back, which she shared with the worship and leadership team, and it's so relevant. She said it was a picture of Horizon in the heart of this area to reach people and breathe life into St. Helia, Rose Hill and beyond. God's put us here to be the heart of St. Helia, as it were, of this area to breathe life, new life through his Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus, the blood that pumps from that heart, as it were, into the people in this area. Yep. Same promises, as I said, God gave to the Israelites apply to us. All believe God was saying that all the people on St. Helia will be blessed through you. God wants to do that. Have I seen did that happen? You know, it's a big thing. We've got a great big God. And he can do it. The Lord himself goes before us. You will be with you, with us. He will never leave or forsake us. God will always be here. God will always have a heart for those people that he wants us to have. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. They might try, and they do try, as you know. And it happens in all sorts of ways. Sometimes it's, you know, we feel attacked individually, personally. There's a person that seems to be making their lives difficult. But ultimately, that won't happen. Sometimes it could be the local authority that we, we deal with at times. You know, we want a big border cabin out there. But God says, no one can stand against you. Right. I put you here, I'm going to do yeah. what I promised I'm going to do. Whatever they think, whatever they say, I will do it. Yeah. Listen to me. 
And so what I want to do is build up, if you like, a picture, a picture, because it's good to know what we're letting ourselves in for, to have a picture in mind. In mind. Now, next slide. Oh, no, sorry, that's the one. Yep, picture, go back. Sorry, yeah, that one. The, ne the next one, then. Picture of Jericho, yeah. Um, I couldn't find a proper picture of what Jericho looked like in the day of um, Joshua. But the fact that it had all those walls. Um, the Israelites were camped in the wilderness, not far from Jordan. And there, across the river, it said in that reading, they actually walked over across the river opposite Jericho. Now, Jericho actually was a little way into the distance, maybe four or five miles, perhaps a bit more away. Not quite sure, but some of the commentaries I've read suggest around about that. Um, but they could see it because the land was flat and fine and looking out. But they must have wondered what on earth it was like. Apparently, Jericho was the most important city in the whole of the Jordan Valley at that time. It was the strongest city in the land of Canaan. What an interesting place to start. Isn't it? Uh, it was built around about 9,000, maybe 9,500 BC. But think about that, it's a strong city. Yeah, it's a big city, it's the oldest, it's so important. But the Hebrew word for Jericho, generally people think that it means it's a place of fragrance. Actually, it might look intimidating, but it's a good place. It's a place of fragrance. It was a walled city. It was in the midst of a vast grove of palm trees. I don't know, coconut palms, maybe date palms, but fruit, you know, really good. Sounds good in some ways. But Joshua, before that we get to the point where they crossed the river, he actually sent out two men as spies to find out all they could. So it'd be good to know what it's like over there. Now, this wasn't the first time that spies had been sent out. About 40 years before, Moses sent out 12 spies. You can actually read about that in Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. He said, go and have a look. He said, I want you to see what the land is like. He said, find out what the people are like. Are they big or tall or small? Are they strong? Are they weak? Are there lots of them? Is there just a few of them? What's the land like? Is it good or bad? What are the towns like? Are they unwalled? Are they fortified? Try and bring back some of the fruit of the land, if you can. That's important to have that sort of information, to know these things. They're useful in planning and looking the way ahead. Next, next one. Um, there are some pictures of St. Helia. When we look around St. Helia, it's helpful to know what the area is like. Say here, but you're looking at the people of St. Helia. Uh, it probably actually did know I was going to put this here. <laughs> when, I when I took it, I told them what it was for, but that's as far as it's going, as far as I'm concerned, because <laughs> I'm not showing it anywhere else, but with permission. Um, but you know, we want to know what it's like. We know there's a hospital, we know there's schools, we know there's other churches, we know there's lots of houses, um, you know, we know there's lots of people. But how do we really know what St. Helia is like? I want to suggest the best way is to get out there and take a look. Spy it out ourselves. I don't know how well you know the area. Some of you actually live quite local to here. You know the area. 
possibly quite well. Some of you may only come here on a Sunday and you drive and park and come straight into church or you come on a bus or walk around from the bus stop and that's all you know about St. Helier. I hope it's not, but it possibly could be at the moment. But what's it like? We need to get out there on the local streets. We need to be a people who find out what it is that God is calling us to. What are the people like? How can we help the people? How can we share Jesus? Walk around the area. Say hello to people. As you walk around the area, pray. Ask God to reveal things to you. In your mind, in your heart. God, show me what your heart is for this area. You go past a person and you say, think, God, what about that person? And God will show you. Pray regularly. Um, good sometimes to prayer walk the area. I know Wes has talked about this in the past, and I'm sure it won't be too long before we have a prayer walk, actually. I haven't told Wes that, but <laughs> I'm telling him now. Um, you know, just walking together is great. Um, not chatting to one another, necessarily, in that sense. How are you today? But walking together, praying as you go in your heart, asking God one another, to show us things about the area. Maybe a life group you might want to adopt part of the area to pray for. But those of you who live here too, you walk about the area day by day, week by week. Use that as an opportunity to pray. You don't have to stand still, kneel down, put your hands together, and pray as you walk along. It could be taking children to school, it could be you know, going to the doctors, going to work, whatever it is. But just pray for the area of God to bless and build up that picture of what St. Helia is like. But the thing is, when the spies of Moses went out, they returned. And they reported back to Moses and all the people about Jericho. They said, we went into the land you sent to us. We've brought you back some of the fruit. It's not bad. He said, that land, it flows with milk and honey. You know, just as God said in his promise. But, they said, but, and came about. The people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Like a race of giants, really, really tall people, which is why back then on that picture of, from Jericho I showed that tall guy. You know, really big. You had to stretch up to say hello that Amalekites lived in the Negev and all these different ites lived among the land. But Caleb, who was Joshua, was two, two of the spies that God sent out, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. God has told us we can do it. With God, we can do it. But the men who'd gone up the other ten spies, we can't attack these people. And they started to spread among the Israelites, a really bad report. Yeah, there were good things there, but we're never going to be able to do it, guys. Those people are so powerful, they're so much stronger than us. It devours those living in it. The people we saw there are a really big size. You know, you can't do that. So they had these two views from the spies, telling them, saying, well, the land's all right, but because of the people and the fortified cities, we're not going to go near it. I wouldn't go near it. And as Caleb was brought by Joshua saying, yeah, we can go and take possession. 
of the land with God's help. But the Israelites on this occasion, when Moses sent out spies, they chose to believe the bad report. They started grumbling again at Moses and at God. Better to go back in Egypt. Better to die here in the wilderness. What did you bring us here for? We can't do this. There's a lot more about what happened in Numbers 14. But in the end, God spoke through Moses, to Moses and then to the people. And God said that nobody over the age of 20, except for Joshua and Caleb, would enter into the promised land. There's no one who was alive at that time. They would spend another 40 years. So we talk about them spending 40 years in the wilderness. They'd actually spend, I don't know, two years, three years maybe, before they got to this point. And God said they're going to spend another 40 years in the wilderness until everyone who was 20 and over had died. What a waste. What a waste. They could have been in that promised land. One, they could have been enjoying the benefits of the land. Two, they could have been blessing the people of the land through them. But they missed out on all that God had promised. And, you know, 40 years went by. And then we get to the point, as I say, when I read about when Joshua sent out his spies as well. And I wonder what your view of St. Helier is. Supposing the leadership team, where's somebody? Dave, you know, said, I want you to have a look around St. Helier and bring back a report. What would you say? That's not too bad a place, actually. You know, um, most of the people seem okay. In one sense, they don't look any different to you or me. But hang on a minute. Life is really tough. There's a lot of elderly people there. Some of them never come out of their homes, you know. We'd never be able to talk to them. Lonely people, unemployed people. There's a lot of single parent families. Domestic abuse, violence, drugs. Oh, and my neighbor. You should hear how loud their music is. Every day, day after day, night after night. We have to put up with that. Some of them are self-centered. They sort of live as if they couldn't care less about anyone else. It doesn't matter. Their car goes roaring up the street at 50 miles an hour when it's supposed to be 20 or 30, you know, and that's just their lifestyle. That's how it is. But Jesus says, whether they're good people or not, whether they got thoughts or not, because we've got flaws as well, don't forget. We're not perfect by any means, are we? God says, I want you to share Jesus with the people of St. Helia. And I wonder what your response is. I know your response is this morning. If I say to you, God wants you to share Jesus with the people of St. Helia. Do you sort of think the first thing is, I can't do it. It's best not to get involved. I could never do that. It's good, isn't it, to have a picture, but sometimes knowing the reality can put us off. But we need to put that picture into perspective. Thanks, William. Perspective depends on how we look at things. When you look at these two pictures, what do you see? Look, take the one on the right. What, what can you see, guys? Rabbit. Anything else? A duck. Look at it that way. A beak. Right, a duck. Come back over here. Two ears that way, facing that way. It could be a rabbit. And this other one, you know, I guess this, this was overtaken with a guy laying on the ground and then turn through 180, at least I hope it was. <laughs> or, you know. But yeah, it all depends on how 
we look at things. We've got a choice of how we look at things. Yeah. And the Israelites were looking at it thinking we can't do that because of the people. And they were discouraged when the spies Moses sent out reported back. But Joshua, the two spies that Joshua sent out now, back in that time, the passage I read at the beginning, brought back a completely different report. They'd gone into the land, they'd actually gone in to the city of Jericho itself. And one of the people in Jericho had invited them into her house. Her name was Rahab. And the Bible says, actually, she was a prostitute. But she invited them in. I wonder why. You might think. Not what you think, perhaps. And the king of Jericho found out that there were some Israelites, some spies there. And he sent men to capture them. And they went around looking, and they came to Rahab's house and said, bring them out, come on. But Rahab had actually She said to the um, soldiers and the king's men, she said, oh yeah, they were here. They wanted to run. She said, look, the gate's open. You better get after them. I said, you're getting away. And so the king's men were scared. They rushed off, you know, as Rahab had suggested. But then, next verse, uh, next slide, yeah. Joshua 2, 8 to 11. This is the reality of the situation. You know, how the people thought it might have been like and how it was difficult for them. Before the spies lay down for the night, Rahab, she, went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Now, at this point, she didn't know the Lord, in that sense, but she knew about the Lord. She said, I know the Lord has given you this land, and a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. What you did to Sihon and Og, two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And when we heard of it, their hearts melted in fear. Everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below it puts a completely different perspective on things, doesn't it, to what their first set of spies that Moses sent out brought back. They say, you know, the people there, we can't go there because of the people. And yet, here's Rahab saying, hang on a minute, you're scared of us? We're really fearful of you. And it's not just because of looking at you, who is just your size or whatever. We could probably do something about it. But we've heard about your God. She said, we've heard about the Red Sea. That happened 40 years before. 40 years ago. And they're still terrified. The people are worried about what's going to happen. You know, uh, we were actually here 40 years ago in this church. Some of the people on this have stayed around. You know, but 40 years, and there they were, they were worried. They'd heard the stories. They must have told them to their children. You know, there's a group out there called the Israelites, and they would come this way. Look out, mate, because they've got a God who's a real God. Yeah. You know, it was, and I wonder what the people of St. Helia have heard about us. I hope they've heard something, at least, and about our God. Have they heard anything? 
that they heard something. There's that people that meet there, but you know, I'm not really into that, so I'm, I'm not going to go. Or maybe they've heard that there's a people that meet there, and yeah, it's it's really good. Maybe they're already thinking that one of these days I might actually put along. Maybe they do come along to some of the groups and things. But when we look at St. Helia and we walk around, we need to ask God to show everything to us from his perspective. Because we can only see people and what's going on on the outside. Unless they tell us more. And even then we don't fully know. We see people from the outside. But God sees what's happening on the inside and God looks at the heart. When we look at things through our own eyes, so often they are overwhelming. But when we see them through God's eyes, the impossible becomes possible. God knows and God can show us what's going on in their hearts. Next slide. Sharing Jesus with people, praying for people, it's daunting, can be daunting. Maybe sometimes we think it's for special people who've got everything together. But Jesus said just before he ascended into heaven, you will be my witnesses. And all of us can be a witness. We witness things every day. We talk to each other about things we've seen every day. Did you watch that program last night? Or the football match? You know, did you see Fulham actually managed to get a draw yesterday? Wow. I was there, it was great, you know, witnessed it. Or come home and I saw an accident and, you know, you just naturally talk to people. We need to be that sort of people where it's natural just to witness and talk about Jesus. Let's always be ready to talk about him. Get to know people. Sometimes God may give us an opportunity to talk to him. Sometimes maybe to pray for him. But I actually want to challenge you this morning as part of my talk um, to pray specifically for specific people. There used to be a time when I didn't particularly pray for anyone to be saved. I didn't particularly pray for people to be healed. Oh, guess what? Didn't really see people saved. Didn't really see people healed. But as I've grown in my faith, as I've learned more from God and trusted in him, I do pray for people to be saved. And I have seen some of those people saved. I pray for people to be healed. And I see some of those people healed. Praise God. But we need to pray for God to bless, provide, reach out to these people, and especially to save them. We need to be a people to pray for opportunities to share Jesus with them. Um, you say, I can't do that. But I challenge you to think maybe about the five remember, even though it was 50 years ago today, my Sunday school teacher telling me that when he lived in Cumbria, um, he went to the church prayer meeting, which was fairly staid, fairly quiet affair, maybe 10 or 11 people, and he said there was this young person there, this young lad, who was educationally challenged, we might say today. He put it as, as very simple. He helped his dad on the farm and he just learned, learned by doing. And every week he would come to that prayer meeting and every week he would say as a prayer, God save 
my dad. And my Sunday school teacher at that time, not being much older than him, thought, well, you know, what's that going to do? How's that going to help? One week, that lad came in, and he said, thank you, God, for saving my dad. Tremendous. God did what he asked for, because he was trusting in God. When you imagine a scale, it's here, of one to ten. It says, I can't. Didn't quite actually get it, do we? Because it's moved. But don't worry, it's supposed to be one to ten, like when you fill in a survey sometimes. One at this end, I can, and at the ten end, uh, or I can't, rather, on this one, and I can. So on a scale of one to ten, where would you put yourself if I said, you know, are you able to share Jesus? Is it better to be nearer the I can't end than the I can end? Yeah. Or if you if you in yourself you were saying, actually, I can do this, please God, give myself a ten. Then it probably won't be as easy as you think. Because it can be a danger of being a formula. When it comes to people being saved. When it comes to God working in people's lives, there is no formula. You can't just pray in the same way for everybody. Say the same thing. Do the same thing. Every time. And hey, presto, there's another one saved. A bit like joining a membership club. Just sign on to this line. No, 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 no. Also, quite frankly, that would be very boring. Wouldn't be very exciting. I wouldn't say very much about our God in that sense. But when we change the high end of the scale, which is on the next slide, the second one down, it says, I can't at one end, but God can. It gives it a whole new perspective because sharing Jesus is the work of God through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Salvation is the work of God through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3 says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again, born of the Holy Spirit. And looking at Jesus' ministry on earth, every time he met someone, he dealt with them individually, personally, in a different way to which he dealt with the next person he met, even if their condition was the same. It wasn't a, oh, hang on, there's a blind person over there. Let's have a look. Who's blind? Step one, two, three, four. No. No. It wasn't like that. Jesus said, I do what I see my Father do. And we need, as Jesus did, we need to be a people that listens to God. So glad we had those songs at the beginning. Secondly, not only do we listen to God, we do what he says. I know as a church, we do listen to God. We do reach out to others. We run a lot of activities that meet needs of people in this area. realize that they can turn to God we need to grow in their faith to become more like Jesus but we also need to reach out to those who don't know Jesus now I hope you and I are both up for the challenge all of us to do what God asks us to do we need to be a people who are prepared interesting that Wes used one of his points last week about being prepared 
And I'd already written this and chose preparation as um, a point. Move on. Uh, God told Joshua, coming back to the reading from the beginning, in three days' time they would cross the river Jordan. And so they moved to camp by the river. But three days later, before they actually crossed, he sent officers among all the people with an important message. And this was the message. This verse, Joshua 3, verse 5. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The Lord will do. The Lord can do, but now the Lord will do amazing things. He wants to act. He wants to bless. He wants to see lives changed. It's another promise. It's beginning to get exciting. It says tomorrow. Amen. One says, yeah, okay, tomorrow's Monday, so we'll have some exciting things. No, 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 no. Tomorrow, as into the long term, into the future. You get to Monday, and then tomorrow will become Tuesday. Every day. God wants to do those exciting things. But we're to see God at work. There's a condition to be met. Next, next slide. We need to be a people who are consecrated. I looked it up in the dictionary. It says to be sacred, to be set apart. To be holy, dedicated to the service of a deity, i.e. a God. And different Bible versions say consecrated, sanctified, purified, cleansed. We need to be a holy people. We're going to see God do these amazing things that he's promised. Because the Spirit of God is a Holy Spirit. And for the Spirit of God to come and dwell in us. We need to be holy. We need to be a people that spend time. We had it this morning, waiting on God. Time in the presence of God. Making sure we are holy. Making sure we're clean from sin. I'm not saying this to try and make you, you know, think, oh dear, well, what is it, what is it? It may not be. It may be fine. That's okay. But we need to examine ourselves so that we know that we're clean and able to be used my God, there may be something in your life that you find is sin and you know it's sin, but it just keeps happening time and time and time and time again. And those are the sorts of things that we need to ask God's help with. Maybe someone else's help to pray for you, but we need to be dealt with. We need to be a people that are listening to God and receiving from God. And then the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verse 8, the same verse where... Jesus said, you will be witnesses. Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I.e., the whole world, including St. Helia. We need to listen to God, and we need to do what God says. And the final slide... And then, you know, we need to be a people that do this, if you like. We need to be relaxing in God's presence. Sometimes you think it's really arduous to come into the presence of God. And maybe if we've got a reason that we need to hide from God, like Adam in the garden, you know, and me, where are you? Oh, we're hiding because. That may be so, but we know that when we come into God and we ask for his love and his forgiveness, God forgives. We need to be able to spend that time in his Trusting in his timing to do things. 
if God wants us to pray for someone, God will show us when that time is right. God will bring about that opportunity. I've no doubt about that. We need to rely on his promises, promises we've been thinking about this morning, and we need to wait for his answers and believe in, in his miracles. Again, one of the things that's on the banner about what type of church is a church that moves in the supernatural but it's not because we're supernatural people, but it's because we have a supernatural God. And as we do these things, as we spend time listening to God, as we obey him, as we pray for people in this area, we are going to see, I really believe we're going to see those amazing things happen. I just long to see so much more happen here on a Sunday too as we grow in their faith. Yes, we pray for people. Some people we pray for regularly because they're in the same pain week after week after. I just long for the day. You put your hand on them and pray. Instantly. You know, it's supernatural. People hear about it. Um, but as you walk around, you know, God will give you opportunity to speak to people. So just say hello, maybe. One day you might say to them, how are you? And they say, I'm fine. Another day you might say to them, well, actually, I've got this going on. And you'll say, I'm going to pray for you. For you. Uh, but is it all right if I pray with you as well? I'd like to do that now. Go and take a minute. And you pray with them. And hopefully the next time you see you, they come back and they say, I feel so much better since you prayed for me. That's another opportunity to say something like, you know, that's tremendous. This is what we as a church are praying about. Would you like to come to church and share that with the people to encourage them? You know, and it moves on, stage for stage. There could be a long time between each stage. I'm not saying it's all going to happen instantly. Not by any means. But we do need to come to a point where we're, yes, God, we want to see change. We want to bless these people. We want you to bless them. And Lord, we acknowledge before you that that includes using us and working in us and through us. I want to come back as we finish now. I'm going to come to a brief time of prayer. One of the things I, I said was it would be good, I feel anyway, mentioned to us um, that because for each of us to have a list of people that we pray for regularly you know maybe five people that you pray for every day or you can't manage it every day so you do it every week you know um, that, would, that would be really helpful it could be that it's not too bad to find the first person on the list maybe it's someone in your family that's not yet a Christian maybe it's your neighbour that you get on well with but um, don't just look at those sort of people what about the person that you would go across the street to avoid bumping into? God loves them. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those that you know, hurt you. Pray for your enemies because there's no greater testimony than to say, we never used to get on. But God has reconciled our differences. Amen. But I want us to stop here and I, want, I want to pray and I want to ask God perhaps to put into our mind, into our heart. The first person that's going to be on that list. Dear God, I just ask you to come now by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are here. Your Spirit is here. Lord, we pray for the people of St. Helia. Lord, we want to see them blessed. Lord, we want to see them come to know you as we know you, and even more for them. Lord, we want you to touch their lives and transform them in this area. And Lord, we say to ourselves, we will commit ourselves to being part of what you want to do, Lord. 
Father, would you show us who we can play for, who you want us to play for? Even now, as we wait on you, as your spirit moves, Lord, just show us who that person maybe on the top of the list should be. Let's just think about that for a moment before God. Father, we pray that you would reveal to us other people to pray for, people whose lives you want to work in, that you want to transform, that we want to see transformed and saved. I know that God will do that because that is God's promise. That is what God loves more than anything, is to see people coming to him. Well, I was preparing to something different, slightly different now. Um, we all go through tough times. We know we do at times. Sometimes things seem to be going really well. But I had a picture, and um, it was, I believe, applies to an individual rather than um, all of us. Someone was pushing the car uphill. That was really hard work. All they could really see was this back of the car in front of them. And they were struggling. And there was this situation that they couldn't, you know, get out of, trying to push this car. And all of a sudden, two people, one on either side of them, came along and helped push. Actually, it looked a little bit like angels, that God had sent them to be there to help. And when the car got to the top, everything looked so different. And I just believe that someone here, you've been struggling with the same thing in your life for quite a while now. It's right there, it's in front of you all the time. Occasionally, it will move to one side, so you can sing a song or do something else, you know, go shopping. I'll say that, but you, you know that you keep, just keep coming back to that thing, and it's so hard, it's right in front of you. And God is saying that he wants to help you through that situation. He wants to take that weight of it off you. And if that is you, then please do respond and ask me or Wes or maybe someone else to pray for you. Um, you can say in general too, because I'm about to hand back to Wes, you know, we are happy to pray for you at any time. Whatever your circumstances, if you're here today because you want healing, then ask someone to come and pray for you, etc. Wes. Thank you, Tim. Um, Tim came, he, he said he had that word he wanted to share from God for a while, um, and it was really strong. So I think it's definitely relevant to what we're wanting to do in this area. Um, and I'm going to use it as a, as a plug-in here, but please, you know, the, the whole thing about the, the Israelites waiting those 40 years, because they're waiting for, it wasn't, they were too scared, they had no confidence in themselves or in God to, to take over that promised land. Um, now, we're all called to go out and do that thing. And we're all called to go and reach our community and be that heart pumping blood and life into the areas and the roads around us. Um, and we want to be doing things like prayer walks. And we'll be praying for people more and doing more of that as a church. Um, and that means all of us, not people, other people doing it for us. Like we're all um, doing that kind of stuff and praying uh, more. Um, go on. It's just that on my way here, God was very definitely speaking to me. 
and uh, I had no idea what Tim was going to talk about, but really God was reminding me of something that he said to us before. And I think one of the things that we sometimes fall down on is we learn something or someone comes up the front and gives a word and then two, three weeks later we forget all about it. And uh, really it's a word that came unwittingly from Astrid, that dominate the pitch. Do you remember that? Dominate the pitch? And here's the verse that goes with it and it backs up and I'm just saying this to say what Tim said almost definitely came from God this morning and this is the verse that goes with it and with what you've just said go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you we need to get out there dominate the witch the pitch and the witch whoever she is uh, only me only me but you know what? Let's get out there. Let's do the prayer walks. Let's do that because God has asked us. I mean, that just says claim the ground. It's yours. Get out there and claim it. And that means wherever you walk, wherever you go, you know, you're going with God. And I just, I'm going to read it again. Go. It says go. Walk through the length and breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. Watch out, St. Helier. Amen. So come on the 8th of March, come to the, if you want to be involved in more prayer walks and doing that kind of stuff as well, come to that because that's what we're talking about and that's the vision of that whole prayer team is about how we get out and how we battle all the other stuff that goes on in the spiritual world outside of what we're talking about here. So please do come on the 8th of March if you want to be involved in more prayer walks and stuff because we're talking about that and doing that more. Um, thank you, Tim. Thank you, everyone, for coming this morning. Great to see you all. Got lovely faces. Always nice and lovely faces. We're gonna have some tea and coffee. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like the awards ceremony. Getting told to get off the get off the front. We're gonna have tea, coffee. There's some like donuts and bits and bobs. But go and talk to people. And please do talk to Tim. Bob's right here. But please go and talk to Tim and and anyone in the leadership team if you want to know more about what was what's, what's shared this morning. Go have coffee. I'm gonna have coffee. Go.